Hey, Miles. Yeah, Cam? Have you ever heard of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Is this going to be like Mary Poppins or Nanny McPhee? Hmm, no. No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Wonderful day like today. I defy any cloud to appear in the sky. Dare any raindrop to pop in my eye on a wonderful day like today. On a wonderful morning like this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inconceivable Media. I'm Cam. And I'm Miles. And this week, I had Miles watch the first episode of the Amazon Prime series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And also in this week, just so everybody knows, I'm getting better. There's going to be a lot less coughing from now on. Yeah, well, and then of course, as you get better, as as I start to get worse. <laughs> I swear I didn't give it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not. Anyways, uh, so Miss the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a uh, 2017, or at least that's when it first started, American comedy which follows the life and the hmm, kind of setbacks. We'll see that more when we actually watch more of the show of uh, Miriam Midge Maisel and her journey to become a comedian in 1950s America. Miriam Maisel is portrayed by Rachel Brosnahan and she is a quite wonderful actress, I've got to say. Uh, what have you thought after just one episode? After one episode, <laughs> I can say I was hooked at their shrimp in the eggs rolls. Oh, I um, I had no idea where this was going. I honestly walked into this with the name thinking that it was going to be something like Nanny McPhee. So I was like, oh, we're going to watch one of these. And I personally liked Nanny McPhee. Uh, not a huge fan of Mary Poppins. I think it's more just because I didn't like the time too much mm. and what they're showing in their media. But uh, I was like, you know what, let's give this a try. And then I kind of thought, well, maybe this is a tra- a drama, the way that they're setting everything up. And then I realized, oh, this is a comedy. And I can be at home at comedy. I like my comedy. Well, it's got plenty of drama in it, which in some ways I sometimes feel like that makes a comedy better if you have... Uh... A little bit of uh, trial and tribulation happening. You have to have a little bit of struggle. Of course you do. <clears throat> comedy is based on struggle and coping with it. Exactly. It, it, like Comedy is kind of a defense mechanism for like dealing with struggles and trauma and trying to find your place. And I feel that that is going to be embodied mostly by the only, mm, I would say real person that features in this show which is Lenny Bruce who is portrayed by Canadian actor Luke Kirby um just in case you thought maybe he looked familiar too (laughs) fair enough (laughs) so I guess after just one episode you definitely want to watch more oh I totally do is this something that you can see uh yourself recommending to others no because they should know it already ha ah i see so this is just something that you would then say just you need to watch it right oh absolutely absolutely you gotta watch if you like to laugh you need to watch this if you like a little bit of drama you need to watch this it kind (laughs) of covers everything (laughs) since this is just the first episode uh 
there's not really a whole lot that really needs that we're going to be spoiling, I don't think. So we're not going to necessarily have spoilers for this one. But just going forward, anytime we do have future Mrs. Maisel episodes, those, of course, are going to be spoilers anyways. So, uh, yeah, if you've got Amazon Prime or if you know someone who does, uh, go and check this out. <laughs> I mean, even what? The the line that got you hooked is we're not even five minutes into the episode, so oh at, yeah, it's like the <laughs> intro of the intro intro, and I'm already like oh my god I can't believe they did that, and, yeah, and you were like oh you know oh the, because they're you know there's they're kosher there's uh, uh, you're Jewish not supposed to there. have yeah, and I'm like I know <laughs> I know Jewish people when I see them, and that's why I'm laughing my ass off because like you know. <laughs> Just the way that they were doing everything, right? <laughs> it, was it was perfect. It was so well delivered that uh, if only I could deliver bullets like that at a thousand meters. Ah, <laughs> uh, getting there, but I right, can't, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, basically, you know, the full whole first episode is mm, figuring out who the heck everybody is. So we've got uh, Miriam Maisel, uh, who is a nice. Um, housewife i guess we would say uh she and her husband joel live on the upper west side of new york it's 1957 or 1958 when this takes place um i can't remember exactly but one of the future episodes definitely dates it because of uh shows that they go to see um <clears throat> and uh, they have two kids and they happen to live in the same building that uh uh midge's parents live abe and rose weissman who are portrayed by tony chalob and marin hem marin hinkle say that name correctly not related to the dinkle family of mary and max uh no okay, no good, definitely good to know. not good definitely. to know <laughs> so they have their nice perfect life it seems joel has a nice job as a vp at some company doing what does it matter? He's a VP. You know, that, that kind of just like tells you everything you he need to know. He makes the money. That's what he does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I mean, I cannot, I don't even know of apartment buildings that have apartments that huge, like what so, they have. <laughs> I'm looking at it and, uh, I have actually seen a few apartment buildings in Edmonton that are that big. Really? Um, yes, actually. Which neighborhood are these apartments in? Um, south side of the river. Just on the south side of the river. Uh, oh, that's why. That would explain why. Uh, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> Over in like the McKerna, Belgravia area and whatnot, right? Kind of close to the university or? Yeah, close to the university, yeah. but like literally just on the river. Uh, like you, you see the river from yep. the apartment. Mm -hmm. um, so Midge and Joel have like the best life, and Joel also seems to have a hobby, which is stand up. And like the good wife she is, she just goes along with it, and she's just keeping track of everything and thinks that this is fun because that's the way it's being presented. They're having fun, and she's super supportive about him too. Which is the thing that, like, totally throws me off when he leaves her. Like, she is so supportive of him. Even when he's bombing 
on stage at the same club that they go to like every other week or however often they go. And he's just like, nope, just I had a bomb tonight and time to just just burn it all down and start over from nothing, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my God. I mean, if I felt that way, if I did a bad performance for singing, then I would not be a professional. (laughs) You know, like, I feel really bad for him because, like, I get it. I understand. Um, For those of you who don't know, because I'm pretty sure I've said this before, I literally left my dream job to go help my dad and do sheet metal. And I hate sheet metal. I despise it so much. And I left selling firearms to do it. And I loved selling firearms. I was so happy doing it. And it does, it's very soul crushing to like leave your dream and do something because of one reason or another. Uh, now, was it a bad idea to leave wholesale sports to, uh, to help my dad out? No. I mean, <laughs> In the long run, no, Miles. I mean, you say that, <laughs> you say that, but I'm going to be honest here. Like, I am not happy doing this. Sure. So, but I make you probably okay would have, but you probably would have had to have left wholesale eventually, considering what happened to that. Oh, yeah, they went on to that company. Absolutely. But, like, I've had job <laughs> offers working at PD too, and I, I could have taken right, them. Right, right. I even right. worked at uh, Wild West Shooting Range for a while, mm. and I, d- I did enjoy that when I was there, and it kind of like brought me back to, like, oh, yeah, I love doing this. But uh, here I am still. Still banging away on sheet metal. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where I'm just kind of sitting there going, like, what am I doing? Why do I keep doing this? What's the next step? And I'm kind of stuck in that lull. And I can see his point where he's just like, okay, this isn't working. My dream is this, and it's not working. I got to go do something else. I got to, like, start fresh again. Uh, How old do you figure they are? They are... Maybe mid twenties, exactly. Because <clears throat> they met in college, um, so I reckon they probably got married when they were 20. nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Maybe out of uh, maybe they might have done it out of college. So maybe they might have been twenty one or twenty two. De- kind of depends on. So the they're family, probably right? twenty five ish. Yeah. So I'm thirty. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, when do I do the reset? When do I try to do something different? Or do I just keep sticking with this? And uh, the older you are, the harder it gets. Yes, absolutely. So watching this, I'm kind of like looking at it. I'm like, you know what? He's okay for doing this because he's doing it early. Mm-hmm. It sucks that they have kids. It does. And it's going to get messy. I can tell right there it's going to be messy. 1950. You're leaving your wife, you're going to go with your girlfriend, and you have kids. Oh my god, that's going to be so much drama. And it's your secretary on top of it, just oh. for that extra, like, kiss of... <laughs> that's candy cherry on top of the cake, my friend. Exactly, exactly. And, the, and we're going to throw some sprinkles on there, too. Like, oh man. Um, but you know what? Like, I understand, I get it. But at the same time, like, oh my god. How does he not see that he had it so good? She's so supportive about him. That's like that too. But I mean, <laughs> if if she, I'm sure if he said, "I don't want to do this anymore," she would have went, "Okay, what are we gonna do next?" Yep. 
absolutely and, just go on uh, to the next thing because that's just that's just seems to be her personality too she's just like okay fine that didn't work we're gonna go and find the next thing that does work and then we have a groove and we're good we're golden yeah just keep uh you know once you're in your groove nothing ever seems to really set her back yeah i mean <laughs> yeah yeah you're right we're only one episode in um, but I mean, considering the whole divorce and everything, or th- that, that seems to be the way he wants to go because he just packs her suitcase and leaves. And honestly, I think she handles that like a champ, maybe not so great with taking the wine for the breaking of the fast the next day. <laughs> okay. But let's be honest here. Sure. She did that. And then she goes to a comedy festival, exposes herself in public, gets arrested, and then decides that she's going to steal his dream and become like a better comedian. <laughs> I think you she... know what? I'm giving you a B for vengeance <laughs> and go for it. I love it. I love it so much. I'm so good. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um and so at this club is where we meet uh, effectively the person who's going to turn into her manager uh, in Susie Meyerson, who is portrayed by Alex Borstein. Who actually, like the first time I saw her, I was like, oh my God, she looks like Allie Beardsley from Com- uh, College Humor. So do you know what she's actually like her big role? It's a voice role. What? She's Lois from Family Guy. What? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah! You're kidding me! Nope. That voice is so different. It's pretty similar. I mean, I had, when I was first watching this, I'm like, why does why does this voice seem so familiar? Like, close enough. And then I looked it up and I'm like, ah, that's why. Lois Griffin. <laughs> I never would have thought that you were kind of a, what, what do you call it? I don't want to say cross-dresser, because that's not what she's doing. <laughs> That's what the character's doing. No, 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 no. That's not it. She's a tomboy. That's the term. Mm. You're being such a tomboy. I mean, again, I feel that's just how she rolls. Oh, absolutely. That's just the character, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I I like it. I actually really like that they have that there. I'm sure that... I don't know. I kind of believe that society in general may have thought like oh being gay was bad and by all Mm -hmm. means they have all these like crimes and are like uh laws to punish that especially in the era that this is taking place yes but i don't think that they were as underground about it as they may have like portrayed in that i think it might have been a little bit more out in the open everybody's just like ah whatever just i don't want to deal with it i don't want to deal with it or else they're like oh you know what i don't care I think it depends where you are, um, and it definitely depends on how you act as well. Because if you think about um, famous people from history, uh, I guess Oscar Wilde would be uh, like a recent enough one to just kind of be like, everybody kind of just knew that he was gay and he had affairs with some pretty, like, powerful aristocratic people in england yeah um and i believe he 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 didn't die or anything like that because he was found out i believe he committed suicide because um someone that 
he actually loved, you know, it was just kind of like, no, this isn't going to happen. And so then he's like, well, screw it. Just end it there sort of thing. Um, it wasn't until the 20th century where we started getting to the more outrageous stuff, like what they did to Alan Turing, for example, and plenty of other homosexual people in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s where they sterilize you or just execute you because being gay and being public about it is reprehensible and is apparently a capital offense in some countries or was i'm sure there's it's still capital in a few uh, sure, yeah yeah i'm yeah. sure being gay in china is not a good thing or in north korea well i was going to say saudi arabia oh yeah saudi and... arabia is definitely illegal too oh yeah <laughs> hell it's almost they illegal still to don't be a like it there, so <laughs> they still are not too hot about it in russia considering there was that whole a uh, thing that happened oh, almost a decade ago where they had to institute laws where you could not be non-hetero in public because for the sake of the children, we can't corrupt the youth or whatever the heck their excuse was. Oh, well, it's always the children that's the excuse for dragging us back and being regressive. <laughs> Don't you know? Don't you know, Cameron? Tradition <laughs> no, is just what? pure pressure from dead people. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> believe that. I absolutely is, believe that. Tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Oh, man. We should do a modern version of uh, <laughs> of Fiddler on the Roof, and we change some of the lines in that song. <laughs> oh, Perhaps. God. You know what? Throw that one on the list. I know that one, but I don't think you I've have... actually seen oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> We're just going to watch so many things that are just like, Jewishness is celebrated. I mean, not saying that it shouldn't be, but um, one of the one of the big things that I often seem to think about when it comes to something like Fiddler on the Roof is the fact that we're Jewish and, you know, just accept that, which is also one of the things that I like about this show, too, is it's just like this is just so Jewish and that's OK, because I don't know a lot of Jewish people, so I don't really get to see into that world. I mean, I'm a little bit Jewish. Yeah, but you eat pork, and well, okay, because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> well, I was about to say, I was about to say you don't eat shellfish, and then I'm like, no, you don't eat fish at all, <laughs> that's or allergies. any seafood. Yeah, so that's different. <laughs> you see, I've got the allergy thing. I'm, I'm definitely Jewish. My my favorite Jewish story that I have is uh, when I went and saw my um, great great grand uncle who was alive during the war, uh, mm -hmm. Second World War. And uh, we were going to go see the Anne Frank house. And we go down the the, the one area where it is. Mm -hmm. And he looks over and he sees the sign for it. And he's like, no, no, this is all wrong. And we're like, what's that? He's like, that's not where the Franks lived. It was the weirds who were us. Uh, the Thompson, or the, no, no, it wasn't the Thompson. It was something with a T. And then the Franks. And it was on the other side of the moat. <laughs> and I'm like, really? What? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how it was. <laughs> so that's apparently amazing. they moved it to the other side of the street. I don't know why, but they did. <laughs> um, it, I mean, did they still have kind of like all of the homes were still, like all of the structures and everything were still there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 
Because I was thinking, you know, if there was a bomb or something, like, or if uh, something happened and things got uh, destroyed, maybe, then there was. maybe they might have had to rebuild stuff. And then they're like, which house was it? Don't remember, but it was on this street. So it's this one now. <laughs> that could have been it. I'm not 100% sure about that. I, I, I can't say anything either. However, with you bringing that up, that joke that her dad says, which of course is referring to uh, Anne Frank and her family getting ex- getting exposed, that was what sealed it for me of how I'm just going to keep watching the show. Because if they're going to have jokes like that, I want to keep watching because I love dark humor like that. <laughs> dark humor is a lot like fresh water in Alberta. Not everybody gets it. <laughs> Although on that topic, was there was there a moment, like a joke, an exchange, anything like that in this episode that was just kind of like stuck out to you? I guess you already had the, oh yeah, and there's shrimp in the egg rolls. <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. <laughs> in a We're, room full of half Jewish people, there's shrimp in the egg Or roll. even just like... And she's standing up there with that shit-eating smile and just like, ah, <laughs> let's watch the world burn. <laughs> Any other any other good bits? Um, I did also like the uh, my roommate was fat, so I know she wouldn't steal my boyfriend. That was pretty good. Oh, that's that's a classic. <laughs> everything that she says, like everything that just seems to like flow out of her mouth, is great in terms of humor. You could damn near say it was marvelous. Uh, well, you said it, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, I am enjoying this, and I definitely want to watch more. Awesome. So next time we come back to this, eh, you know, we'll have watched a few more episodes, and we'll see a little bit more of what's going on, what's going to happen between Joel and Midge. Like, I will say, I will I will give, like, maybe a little bit of a spoiler for what happens, like, no. even just over the season, is that she doesn't actually spend as much time in front of a mic as you might think. You ruined it. You ruined it! <laughs> That's okay, it's all drama, I'm gonna enjoy it. <laughs> oh, there's definitely lots of comedy. All, all I'm gonna say is that, you know, you gotta build up to being a comedian. Especially a woman in the 50s. Fair enough. Well, let's see where this goes. I'm happy to be here. Perfect. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.